Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders by leaders for leaders from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. Today, our guest interview is with Sylvia Blakely. She is the founder of Arise Daughter. And before I go into her bio and let her talk more, I just want to tell you all that her and I have been um, talking for several months. She has been a mentor to me, and we started going through the Leadership Lessons of Jesus. It's a book uh, by Bob Briner and Ray Pritchard. It is about 74 chapters, but they're all, it's a short little book actually of just one or two um, pages all out of the um, book of Mark, the, the lessons come out of the book of Mark. So it's beautifully written. And we thought, let's share this conversation with everybody. So we get trained a lot on what to do, all the things that we need to do as leaders, but we, we rarely talk about how we need to be as leaders. Mm-hmm. And I know I need area a growth in this area. And I know we can always grow in this area. And so, um, my conversations with Sylvia have always been so rich. And so I'm so glad that you agreed to do this, Sylvia. And I just know everyone listening is going to be blessed by our conversations today. So a little bit about Sylvia. She is the founder of Arise Daughter. It is a post-abortion ministry, mentoring ministry, excuse me, with a mission to help women and men heal, train and serve in the kingdom of God. Sylvia is a registered nurse with a master's of science degree in community health from the Ohio State University. Her own abortion journey started over 40 years ago, and she has since been forgiven and set free to help others along in their journey. She is a poet, a photographer, a blogger, and an organizer of pro-life artists who is willing to use their testimony and her art to advance the kingdom of God. Recently, she became a certified or she became certified to facilitate trauma art workshops as part of a window between worlds. And that is a quote healing network. She has been featured on several podcasts with support after abortion, I rapture and heartbeat international, as well as the live action campaign can't stay silent. She's also featured in the healing portion of the play viable called viable act Two. She has helped organize two virtual summits, one to quote, sound the alarm regarding chemical abortion trauma in that was in 2022 and a second on abortion in the church, fostering reconciliation with Christ set for April 20th, 2023. 
Sylvia works with the Whole Life Project, part of the AND campaign to produce life-affirming videos. She was a keynote speaker for the Celebration of Restoration Luncheon in May of 2022 for the Abortion Recovery Network hosted by Pregnancy Decision Health Centers of Columbus, Ohio. Sylvia is passionate about mentoring, healing, and building bridges within the pro-life, whole life community. I love that. Her heart's desire is to be used by God to see that all who seek healing receive it. And you can learn more about Sylvia and her unique organization at artists or excuse me, ariseartists.com. So how'd I do Sylvia? I'm tired listening to it. Honestly, Mindy, that was, (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a lot in three years. (laughs) Yes. God has done a lot in you. Yes. A lot in you. So I do, I want to give you some time to just tell a little bit more about your story and then how Arise Daughter got started. Well, um, I was grown, you know, growing up in Detroit, Michigan in the, you know, seventies and, and, uh, just had a beautiful childhood for the most part, but something traumatic happened to me at the age of nine. I was molested by uh, a neighborhood friend and I did not know how much that um, would change my life um, because I kind of hid it away and didn't talk, you know, didn't talk about it or tell many people, but it changed my outlook about who I was as a person. And so I fast forward now to the age of 19 where I'm sexually active and um I become pregnant um, by someone that I cared about, but I I knew I wasn't going to be in a long-term relationship with. And connecting all the dots now, I can see where um, my my lack of boundaries and my and my loss of autonomy um, gave me sort of more free reign, I think, to make a decision about someone else's life, which is just very strange. Mm-hmm. But this is all you know. All of this kind of comes out in the healing journey as we go. And so I thought I had the right um, to direct my life in the way that I wanted it to, to go. And that meant uh, aborting my baby daughter. Um, And so for almost 20 years, Mindy, I just stuffed that. I did not think about it. I returned to um, business as usual, as they say, and pretty much um, ignored any of the pain um, that would come up from time to time. Now it's 20, uh, 2001, and I was just coming off of reuniting with my husband who, who um, had been separated from me for six years. And I'd asked God to forgive me for my abortion. And I felt like that it sort of came out of this loving relationship that I developed with a young lady at my job who just kept showing me unconditional love. And I just was like, why is she, you know, why is she? caring so much about me what what does she see in me I don't even see this in myself and Mm -hmm. and she didn't know anything about my abortion story barely knew about my separation but she just kept saying go back to Jesus he's waiting for you Sylvia and I did and I asked God just one Sunday to forgive me for my abortion which again I thought I wasn't thinking much about and he did but then I started volunteering at a pregnancy resource center just a couple of years later after my husband and I got back together and we moved to a new town, had a fresh start, so to speak. And I realized I could not counsel in the uh, rooms. A- as a nurse, you would think I'd be a perfect fit for the ultrasound, 
room, right? Couldn't do it. Just could not bring myself to do it. And that's when I began to know something else was was off. You know, that God mm-hmm. had forgiven me, but I was still bound. Um, as a volunteer, though, at that time, they did not have an abortion recovery program with this PRC. So I didn't even know that existed until we moved to Florida. Mm-hmm. I started with a brand new church. And one day at one of our women's conferences, this very striking woman was standing there, very calm, cool, collected by this booth that had a name. I had no idea what it meant, Healing Grace. So I walked up to it. There were other women there that I knew, um, didn't know anybody's story, but I'm like, well, why are they over here at this booth? What is this about? I took the card, went home and read it, and it said post-abortion recovery. And I thought, Mm. that's a thing? (laughs) What, What does that even mean, Lord? So about another year went by. I was at another conference that we were sponsoring um, with another uh, ministry I was connected to. And the same organization was there. Another woman was there at the booth though. And I just really quickly slid over, took a card, never said a word to her. About three weeks later, the Lord pulled me over like literally in the car and said, you need to heal. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Okay, what does that look like, Lord? He said, it looks like you putting down all of your churchy stuff that you're doing right now, uh, leadership at the church and all these other things. It means that you have to make the call. I said, okay. So I went and talked to my senior pastor and uh, she was extremely supportive. and said, Sylvia, I don't know what God's going to do through this, but obviously he's telling you to move. So you need to to move and, you know, whatever you do will, you know, will support you in it. And so I stepped down from leadership, picked up the phone, started my journey, January 2020. And of course, we know what all happened in in, uh, 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Back in the middle of in-person healing, which I just loved. You know, I loved to be able to hug and talk to and hold hands with uh, COVID hits. And so we finished our healing uh, virtually. Did not know again how significant that was because Holy Spirit did not miss a beat. When I tell you that the healing that he did was as complete as if I had been in the room with those women, I don't doubt and 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 knew then that he could use anything in any medium to help us heal. Hmm. So as I left kind of that group, I realized that I really didn't want to leave the group. I, you know, I kept texting people and I kept trying to put together this little community <laughs> of women who had been through my through my healing program. And I thought, well, I feel like I still need this community. I feel like I still need to reach out and talk to them and share my, you know, my new issues that are coming up and all of this stuff. And it was pretty much, you know, yeah, they were like, okay, Sylvia, we really don't do this, but, but we'll listen to you for a while. <laughs> and so as that kind of went forward and I could see how difficult it was for them to maintain a relationship with me while they were yet starting new groups, I thought, well, somebody then needs to kind of step into that space, don't they? <laughs> and offer that long-term walk with people who have been through something so life-changing, like a forgiven and set-free healing program and who still need support. So I went to a couple of the support after abortion online conferences shortly after uh, the Lord started giving me the vision about Arise Daughter. And I realized pretty much no one was stepping into that space. You know, a couple of people had aftercare programs, but they were very new. Um, and most of them were, you know, weren't meeting anymore because they weren't doing things in person. And so God said, no, we can do this virtually. I showed you what healing looks like virtually. 
you're going to start this ministry. It's going to be virtual. People are going to come around you. People are going to, to be attracted to it. And they're going to want to be in community with you about this. And that's exactly what happened. And so November um, of that year started Arise Daughter. Out of that grew, um, just strangely enough, a community of artists who came together to use their art to help them heal. And so we started talking about how that could be incorporated. And so Arise Artists grew. And then we had a visit from a woman um, who did photography specifically for women who were post-abortive to show them just how much God has healed them. Her name's Angela Forker. And she poked us and she said, Sylvia, you guys are phenomenal artists, but you need to be using your art to speak into the pro-life issue. At that point, we were just, you know, using art to talk to each other about our pain. And the Lord really convicted me and said, no, yeah, she's right. <laughs> you need to specifically make it make it available for women to not only heal, but also to be advocates for life through your art. Mm -hmm. And so we began that journey. And so it's just it's just been this continuous journey with the Lord um, as things have unfolded um, about who he's calling us to be, what he's asking us to do, how he's asking us to use all of ourselves um, and not just a part of ourselves in this uh, healing journey. And so we're we're just excited to be a partner, uh, you know, to be partnering with him on that. That's exciting. That a what a great story. And you know, <laughs> Sylvia, that's the first time I've heard your story. Ah, yes. So thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah. I, God is doing great things with you guys. Um, you guys put published a little book, uh, a little, what is that? It's, it's a small little square art. Um, God, what's it called? I have it on my shelf. Yes. yes. I just, I'm just thinking, what's it called? It's a healing art book. Yes. 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 I'm just thinking about it. I would have had it with me. So please forgive me. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. One of our members, uh, Alexandra Stewart, who happened to hear me speak a little bit on the support after abortion networking line, um, just contacted me and said, you know, Sylvia, I'm really interested in this art piece. I have this thing inside of me that hasn't come out yet. And I, I feel like art is the way that it's going to manifest itself. And then she oh. told me her story. And I invited her to be one of our first artists that presented uh, at Arise Artists. And this amazing presentation came forth. And I just told her, I said, you need to publish what you just did. I don't know how it's going to look, but, and she took that challenge and she made this beautiful book that allows you to see representations of your feelings. So in those moments, maybe in a, in a counseling room where you can't identify what anger looks like or feels like for you, right? That's one of those that we deny a lot uh, as post-abortive women, or we don't understand that it's connected to our abortion. Her images will allow you to kind of pick through something and say, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Um, this is so what I just love about what God does is he just uh, just things we can't even think of. And he just brings different talents. And this is part of what the this whole network is about is is coming together and using these unique talents. And Sylvia, that is just a fantastic story and how God is so patient with us. You know, he doesn't use any particular program, does he? <laughs> he uses he knows what each one of us individually needs to get us there. And um, your story surely does illustrate that. I agree. I think that he just, you know, whatever it is he sees in us, 
he is the one that can bring it out and make it come to fruition if we say yes. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, just knowing that each of us now has a, a, a separate unique calling that he's asking us to fulfill um, gives each of us energy, but it also gives us an, an opportunity to support each other, to speak life over one another um, about these projects that he, he just continually gives us. We're just so excited about the work he's doing. Yeah. And that actually is a good segue uh, as we're talking about the calling of God on our lives to go right into the first chapter of the leadership lessons of Jesus that we are talking about today, um, because the first chapter is titled a call to leadership. And so just wanted to look at that a little bit, um, maybe to affirm us who are leaders already or have been or have stepped into that call, but maybe those who are thinking about it or aren't sure exactly where does their call is to be stepped into. But I'm just kind of talk about what we learn here. And so in that book, now, um, I had this all laid out on a piece of paper for Sylvia, thinking I was being very clever and helpful to help her know what page and paragraph, what I would be pointing out is, but she does hers on a Kindle. And so it's completely different. <laughs> so, um, but I think she is um, very capable to be able to um, find where we're talking about, but in the book. One of the first thing that talks about is, um, is, um, God has a call on our entire lives. So what exactly does that mean to you, Sylvia? I think sometimes, uh, we can feel as if we can compartmentalize our ministry call, right? It, it, it means this here, but over here, it doesn't mean that. And I think what that means for me is that every aspect of who we are should be transformed by our calling, every aspect. Um, and I'm going to be quoting quite a few Bible verses as we go along with this uh, today, Please Mindy do. and Linda. So this gives everybody an opportunity. If you want to come back and listen to this, you'll you'll have references, I think, which will help you in your walk. Thank you. But um, I love that in Romans 11, 29, uh, Paul says that our calling is irrevocable. Hmm. <laughs> Isn't that something like it's, yeah. it's something God gives us and. It, so that means every aspect of our lives should be transformed by his power. Um, and it should all be for his glory. So that no matter where we are, what we do, um, who we're speaking with at any given time in any of our circles of influence, our calling should be evident. Hmm. Our calling should be evident. Yeah, that's good. And so um, my next question to you is, how do we know if we are living our lives as though we are called in every area? And I guess... The counter question to that is, how do we know if we are not? Mm. Okay. Well, I think, let me start with the positive. Um, okay. We should see change. Um, we may see relationships shift a bit. Some may disappear. And that's sometimes hurtful. Um, some may appear out of nowhere as you begin to shine and look differently. Um, our comfort zone should definitely change. Um, where we go, what we do. I feel like God wants us to live whole and free. So anytime we're in a situation where we feel like we're hiding a, a bit of ourselves or a piece of ourselves, I kind of let you know that maybe you're not walking fully in your calling yet. Um, everything we do should be kingdom minded. Everything we do. Uh, Ephesians 4.1 says walk worthy of our calling. So it, it, it can be difficult, actually, I think, to kind of hide more of yourself once you do begin to feel free, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, 
if you're not feeling free, things like secrets and lies can pop up. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes half truths are told about our stories. Um, again, not maybe not everybody is in the place where they can hear or understand your story, but when you're altering it or modifying it because of shame or guilt, mm, probably not quite yet free. Um, maybe you're suffering with uh, issues of lack of transparency or accountability. That's a sign. If your yoke is beginning to feel really heavy, um, like your burden feels like it's too much, then we're probably not walking it out the way Jesus intended it. Um, in Matthew eleven thirty, take a look at that. Um, it's supposed to be a light burden. I know we'll get into that a little bit as we talk about burnout, but it really is a situation where you feel authentically God's daughter, no matter where you go. And if things are always shifting and morphing, depending on your situation, then yeah, maybe you're not quite free and maybe you're not quite walking it out yet. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's, you know, that's why he came. He came to help us. Um, that's why Holy Spirit is with us. Um, so this is not a, a, a condemnation of any kind. It's just, these are opportunities for us for you to do a self-check, for me to do a self-check, for all of us to do a self-check. Why is it I still feel bound in this area? That certainly was my situation, as mm -hmm. I just shared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, may I pause there for just a second? Because I think what you bring up is very, very important. And I know for, for a fact, in my life, it happened that way. I was definitely um, answering a call, but not walking in it. And so for me, what that looked like is I knew I was supposed to be doing abortion recovery, but I was in the pregnancy center doing everything. But at, that was like the side thing when that was supposed to be the focus thing. And I got incredibly burnt out. So talk to us just for a minute. And I'm just going to take a little bit of a side here because we could step into a leadership position and easily step into this. Well, I can't be needy. I can't be the one hurting. I'm the helper. Right. I'm the one mm -hmm. helping people. And so that's going to make me look weak or not like a good leader. And, you know, all these lies that swim around in our head that keep us out of alignment with God's call on our life. And just talk about that shame and how we should properly look at that. Yeah. I love this one. There's a, a book called Lead by Paul David Tripp, and he talks about uh, our spiritual blind spots. Hmm. Um, and, and they're typically, you know, they're very, very, um, glaring to others sometimes, but they are completely hidden from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I hear you, Mindy, when you say sometimes as a helper, you forget that you need help. You know, there's one of those areas that you just totally ignore because you're so busy, you know, exercising your spiritual gifts with others. And I think in that book, he talks a lot about having a second, having somebody near you who can help you identify those blind spots that you yourself cannot see. And then somebody that's trusted that can help guide you with um, <laughs> tips and tools as to how to address those. That's one of the things I think that um, I, as a mentor, get the privilege of being able to do with others. But here's the thing, I have a coach as well. And I make sure that I share um, my foibles and my troubles with her so that she can speak uh, into my spiritual blind spots and help remind me so I think we really do have to um, make sure that we have a team around us as well that can see those things and that can speak life into those things. 
this may take it a little dif different direction than the, than the book is, but I'm just wondering when we are leading abortion recovery ministries, that's heavy. And, and we're saying that the, the call is on our entire lives. And I understand the spiritual aspect of that, but where is the balance where we don't have to wear that hat all the time? where we don't we have areas of our lives where we are not that woman you know in church we become <laughs> we, in church we become the the you know she's the one that mm -hmm. uh, deals with abortion and um, there are times even though the calling is on our entire life is there some healthy segmentation there of times where we don't ha have to wear that hat <laughs> You know, it's so funny because Mindy and I do talk about this uh, in terms of having other aspects and avenues that we feed within ourselves that when you when you look at it in its entirety, Linda, you're truly feeding everything that God has given you. Right. So there are times when, yes, you need to offload some of that secondary trauma. You absolutely have to. You absolutely have to. Um, and, and what might that look like for you? It could look like a time away, um, you know, on a regular basis. For me, it's once a week on Wednesdays. I have an opportunity to uh, either go to the beach or be by some body of water that allows me to relax my mind um, and feed my soul, which is a part of my healing, um, not only for myself, but it's also who I use and a part of what I use, I should say, <laughs> to help others heal, right? Um, this is soul work. And so if my soul is sick, then I will not be the best healer. So I think it may look selfish, but it's integrally uh, woven into who we are as healers. We have to keep that channel open to what Holy Spirit says about our own healing before we can give out. We give out from a full cup. We give out from a full mm -hmm. cup and it's the overflow um, that we can minister out of. So that means we need to put things in. Right. That's really good. Thank you for that. Um, there is a section on my, it's, it's on page five of my book. So if anybody has this book and they're listening, um, Sylvia, I hope you figured out where it was, but there's gifts in gifts in one area, such as leadership are not necessarily transferable. Can you elaborate on what the writers are saying about that? Well, I think the interesting um, example he gave was, you know, if you're gifted in teaching, maybe you're not gifted as a leader. Um, and, you know, I think that could be true, obviously, um, you know, it, but here, here was what I thought was really interesting about that example that he used, that the teacher allowed himself to be pushed by man into the position of leadership. And I think mm -hmm. that is sometimes where we are not in tune. You know, we, we need to follow the prompting of Holy Spirit. Um, and be asking God as to where he wants us to be. Um, if we are moving where man says, then yeah, it's probably not going to be a good fit. Um, but what I've also found, Mindy, is that when it's God's stretching of us, if he's placing us someplace where we feel like initially we don't feel qualified <laughs> in, in the flesh, that somehow or other he manages to bring people around us to um, fill in the gap, so to speak or maybe who don't need what we think we lack. And my example um, for myself was, I'm a pretty good manager. I don't know that I'm, a, I'm an excellent leader per se, 
But God has managed to bring some team members around me who need more managing and less leading because they're some of them are fairly, you know, self-contained and, and they know what they need to do and, they, and they're ready to listen to God about it and they just go do it. Um, and then others may need a little bit more leadership guidance from me, but those are folks who, you know, God has given me a vision about already. He's already shown me what it is they may need. And so I just trust him to equip me to give them what it is they're going to need when they need it. Mm. <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound at all arrogant because it's not. I don't think I so. Say, yeah, I think it's I, beautiful yeah. that you can see the difference in different people that way. And you mentioned earlier um, how some people are pushed into leadership by man. And when I started thinking about that word pushed, I wanted to take a little bit of a side road again on that, if you don't mind being pushed into leadership because the example in the book, and I'll read it for everybody is for example, a very gifted teacher at a Christian college, one called to teach was railroaded into a college presidency by well-meaning colleagues resulting in trauma, hard feelings, and disappointment on all sides. And that's where the quote came from that I asked you to elaborate on where it says gifts in one area, such as leadership abilities are not necessarily trans. So this person was called to teach and was a leader in his teaching position, but not as a, in the presidency position. And so those leadership skills didn't transfer into that different leadership position. And so when you mentioned being pushed, because in here it says railroaded, what are Mm -hmm. some, we can, we can genuinely be pushed by people when they, you know, are saying you should do this, you should do this. And, and we just feel that external pressure. But there or are we in- may be guilty of doing that too, as we try to bring up leaders underneath us too. Certainly. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to go for is what are some of those internal pushes that might pressure us to do something outside of our calling that we need to be on guard against? Hmm. That's a really good question. And I know um, it's a surprise question. So forgive me. No, no, me. no. It, 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 that's fine. Because I, 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 think, I think we do all deal with this. I think we have our own expectations about... Uh, which way the ministry should go, what we think should happen. I mean, how many of us put together our, our strategic plans and, yeah. and these, you know, three, five year processes and all of these things. Um, and sometimes they don't have God in them all the time <laughs> because we are expecting um, sometimes out of comparison with other ministries um, to look like a, a, a certain thing, to be a certain way by a certain time period. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and those are all of us that is not of God. Um, and so we do. We have to be very, very careful that we don't do the comparison game with our ministries. I think that's where a lot of that uh, gets driven from. Um, you know, we may have, and I do not, my organization does not have a board, but some of us who are listening may have boards who are pushing and driving the agenda. Um and that's fine as long as you know it's a god it's a god <laughs> it's a god decided board who, who is you know in tune with what holy spirit is telling you that the organization needs um so i think we do always have to come back to what is god's intention for our our calling in our ministry and i think we will always stub our toe when we step outside of that yeah yeah um there's so many things I could just go off on with you, but I will stick to the, we'll stick That's to the fine. plan. 
No, um, we're going to let Holy Spirit have his way. Yeah. So that's fine. <laughs> well, the next question, it, it's kind of in line with this. So I, I'm going to go to it. Um, in the book, there's a comment that's made, never let someone else determine God's will for your life. And I want to be careful here because I certainly don't want to bring offense to anybody, but I do want to address the fact that there's a lot of people who live in a Christian world of let's prophesy over people. And I believe prophecy is very real today. I believe it's a gift of the spirit, but how do we know how do we determine when somebody is speaking from God or not? How do we line, where do we line that up at? What would be your advice on that? Well, I think one of the things we all suffer from is, is the people pleasing gene, whatever that yep. is. And I think that starts right. Am I right? Mm -hmm. And, and yep. if, you know, we, we are dependent on people. So we feel like we have to do things to please them. Mm -hmm. um, and some of that can come from things like, you know, uh, early traumas, even sometimes where we can, tend to develop this codependency sort of sort of mindset about what it is we choose to do. We think we're choosing, but we're really allowing undue influence mm -hmm. to, um, you know, push us one way or the other. This is why a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, is just so, so, so important. Yes. You cannot mm -hmm. do this work without a personal relationship with God. Um, and knowing that you know that you know that you are plugged in to his will for your life and that you are rooted and grafted in him and that you have uh, Holy Spirit living within you so that you can hear when he's speaking to you about some of these these very weighty questions mm -hmm. um, sometimes. Um, so without that, yeah, it's easy to be kind of swayed and pushed one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um and so we just really li literally have to learn how to live in Christ. Um, go to Galatians 2.20 uh, if you want to read a little bit more about how to live in Christ. Um, but yeah, I feel like people mean well. Yeah. And yeah. Um, there are oftentimes when I've heard people say things about me, but for the most part, God has spoken them first. Mm. You know, That's interesting. Have, yes. I will have heard something first from him and, and, and he will oftentimes give affirmation or confirmation through someone else. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And then, you know, the book talks about um, putting out a fleece and, um, yeah. you know, in the, over the course of my life, I've come to a very um, solid, confident conclusion of um, Gideon's fleece, but I have heard people teach that putting a fleece out was testing God and in negative sense. And I don't read that when I read about Gideon, um, because we we hear God answering his fleece both times, both time you put a fleece out, God answered and affirmed what he wanted, what Gideon wanted so that he would learn that that was God's voice. But what do you say to this? How is a fleece helpful? And what might a fleece look like? I just think it's interesting um, that God was not at all perturbed or bothered by Gideon asking for affirmation, right? right? He just wasn't. Um, Even the second time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he's big enough to, to handle our, our, you know, our indecisions. The other thing I thought was really interesting um, about Gideon's story is that uh, the angel called him mighty hero. All the while Gideon felt like he was the least of the least. 
Hmm. Right. Um, and so I, I, God already knows who we're capable of being. One of the things we have to remember, though, is we, we have to choose to partner with him about this. You know, Gideon could have went back to threshing and said, nope, mm -mm, I don't care what you show me, Lord, I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. but I have to imagine that after hearing Mighty Hero and knowing that God answered both of his appeals, that that strengthened his resolve to step into something that he had no idea what he was really getting into. Right. And isn't that all of us? when yes. it comes to our calling. Yes. It's rare that we're going to step into a position of, of knowing already. You know, so many times we don't know what the future is going to hold. And so I think for me, uh, the my fleece has been just literally asking for affirmation. Mm. You know, um, Lord, send me somebody who's going to say, you know, something or who's going to all of a sudden bring up a scripture to me or send me a song that just speaks into the situation. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a really quick example. Um, I was asked by uh, a ministry friend to go to Mississippi with her uh, as part of a larger collective of uh, women who were post-abortive to go tell their story at the very last abortion clinic in, in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, uh, I was a lot like Gideon in that uh, my first response was uh, no I I'm I'm African American I I've always heard that Mississippi is the worst place in the world for African American people I will never step foot in Mississippi because of all of the history and the horror there mm. I just won't do it that was what I've always said when she called me I thought now this is just crazy because Lord you already know what I said about Mississippi and how I'm never gonna go ever step a foot in <laughs> <laughs> I made it to 60 and I haven't yet you know and I just happened to share with her, you know, how I was thinking. She didn't say anything right then. She called me back and she said, Sylvia, what if you are supposed to scare the, the devil with your testimony in Mississippi? Wow. I had never thought of it hey. like that. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So now I'm not supposed to be scared. I'm supposed to do what Revelation, you know, 12 yeah. 11 says, I'm supposed to use my testimony for an actual weapon. Do you know that energized me in a way that I cannot even explain? Well, I can explain it because I got in a car with my husband and we drove <laughs> to Mississippi wow. and we tore down those walls, literally. Mm. And within months, that clinic was closed. Wow. Um, a woman God. had a prophecy about my exact testimony in the way I delivered it before I even showed up, before I even met her, before I even knew what God had revealed to her. She revealed it to me after what had transpired. Mm, wow. So I say all that to say, um, yeah, it's okay to ask for an affirmation. It's okay to ask for assurance. He knows we're human. He knows, <laughs> you know, Jesus got an affirmation after his baptism. He prayed. He got an affirmation. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Mm. You know, so he's willing to hand him out. He loves to hand him out, as a matter of fact. Um, once we say yes, so at our heart, <clears throat> exactly. at our heart, if we're willing, yeah, that's great. Well, and I love what you said. You, you, you've heard from God first and what's spoken over you then is affirmed what you've mm -hmm. already heard. And I love that. It's good. So is there anything else you want to talk about in this chapter, Sylvia or Linda?
I mean, this I do is recommend a... this book. These are the, such short little chapters, but wow, they, yeah. they've got a lot packed in them. Yeah, in I two mean, three this pages. is barely yeah. two pages, and we uh, we just talked for thirty minutes on it. So <laughs> <laughs> a lot of depth. Stuff. Yes, yes, yes. I would just say too. Again, remember that you're working for God and not for man. I mean, as as you know, as we think about uh, what it is God is calling us to do, we oftentimes will use man's measure for mm -hmm. success. Yes. Um, and we have to be very, very careful that we're using God's measure for success. And it will look very different, sometimes the exact opposite of the way that we expect it to. Um, mm. So I think that's important. Yeah, that's important to remember. Really and also good. to remember that we don't have to fear man. Who is he? What What can he do to us? Right. Yeah. That's a good word. And it just makes me think of Jericho in the battle of, um, well, the battle of Jericho, where they marched around the city seven times and they're all yelling at him look at you guys you're weak you know <laughs> and they did it god's way and they probably were like what are we doing you know <laughs> they did it god's way and that's how they gained victory and that will conclude our session with sylvia for today but this is an ongoing conversation about the leadership lessons of jesus and we will continue to discuss different chapters and future uh episodes. So please join us if you are encouraged by anything you heard today. And if you would like to contact Sylvia, you can do so at arisedaughter at gmail.com. And that is also in our show notes.